Hello, my friends, and uh, welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 33. So um, we're going to look into um, Tuesday's readings, uh, Octave of Easter. We're going to go through the resurrection story. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Let's say a quick prayer to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come and fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. So uh, let's look at the account here. Um, let's read uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 36 to 41. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said to the Jewish people, let the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, whom you crucified, now when, um, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they asked Peter and the other apostles, What are we to do, my brothers? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises is made to you and to your children and to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. He testified with, uh, with many other arguments and, and was exhorting them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added that day. One more time, we'll read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 to 41. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said to the Jewish people, Let the whole house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they asked Peter and the other apostles, what are we to do, my brothers? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is made to you and to your children and to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. He testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were, ba were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added that day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What's beautiful about that scene is that it leaves it, it ends with saying that he used many other forms of argument. Um, and that's, I think, it says here, he testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them. There was discussion. There was <clears throat> an open discussion. And that's, that's something that we've lost. That's an art form we've lost. 
you know, there was no silencing or shouting down the other person. I'm sure with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, members of the Sanhedrin, some of them, not all of them, not all Pharisees were bad, not all Sadducees were bad. I mean, that's, that's an unfair uh, generalization. But in our culture today, we've somehow, and I think this probably is the result of social media, Social media has made things a lot more worse. It has made things more tribal. It has also, I think, in many cases, um, we're more ideological than ever before. Uh, the people in, in, the, in the days of the early Christianity, in the time of Christ and the apostles and St. Paul and Peter, there was open discussion over arguments of doctrine and dogma and uh, opinions. I mean, the Greek philosophical approach was debate to present an idea, walk through the idea, explore the idea, uh, counter arguments, counter um, presentation of ideas, uh, basically you present your, your, your dark, your doctrine, your philosophy, and you have to defend it. You have to prove it with reason, with logic. Now, of course, in the case of this, this is, this is the faith and the argument of who Jesus of Nazareth was and over fulfillment of prophecy over dogma doctrine, theology, philosophy, all these things, I mean, they were all uh, open. And the apostles somehow changed. These were fishermen just a, 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 some time ago. Um, Simon Peter and the others abandoned the Lord, left him, ran away except for John. Now, after 40 days, this is of course 40 days after his um, ascension. I mean, actually, after his resurrection, and it was nine days, nine days after his ascension. They received the Holy Spirit and they're changed men. Their faith has been strengthened. Their faith now is grounded built on the rock, which is Christ. And now they can go out there and they can defend what they believe. Unfortunately, in our culture now, there, that's, that's, there really isn't much of anything. Now, no one wants the other person to be heard, especially if, because now we live in a more radical, neo-pagan, secular culture, more aggressively secular and there's a lot of a lot of hostility towards religion. Uh, college campuses are not open-minded anymore. They're territorial. And that's the scary thing about it. Can you imagine today <clears throat> in Jerusalem a Jewish temple with animal sacrifices today. 
Can you imagine the practice of animal sacrifice for sins today? Every day, 365 days a year, can you imagine all the blood of the goats, the sheep, cows, all the animals that are being sent off for sacrifice? Can you imagine Imagine that in this time and age, I mean, especially with animal rights activists, can you imagine that? Can you imagine seeing um, all the all the Jewish people from all four corners of the earth descending on Jerusalem during the Passover, during the Feast of Atonement, during Yom Kippur, during the Feast of Rosh Hashanah? Can you imagine with all the animal sacrifices today going on? That's, it's it's uh, unbelievable when you think about it. And all of that, all of that was meant to be temporary. And all of it was meant to point to Jesus Christ. An animal can't pay for the sacrifice, can't pay for your sins. It's only temporary. All right, it's meant to be temporary. But can you imagine that? It's just beyond belief when you think about it. I mean, Muslims, they do practice some form of sacrifice offering, but it's not the same thing for sins. But imagine today, priests with bloodied arms, aprons, people showing up with their lambs with their with cows bulls for atonement people coming in with wheat and grain and wine or oils for their sacrifice it just you know mind boggles you can't you can't imagine that and jesus comes along and he challenges that he changes it because that was always god's plan but for the jewish people the temple, not just the faith, but the rituals, the power and symbol of the temple, just wouldn't, they couldn't comprehend it. It couldn't be, you know, it, it was beyond comprehension when you think about it. It's just amazing, right? Just amazing. All right, let's move on. All right. Alleluia, alleluia. This is the day Lord, the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Alleluia, alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20, verse 11 to 18. I have seen the Lord, and he said these things to me. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She 
thought it was the gardener, and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. I will take him. Uh, sorry, take him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabone, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to, to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them I'm going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he had told her. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me read it one more time. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb, weeping, and as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where. They, they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener, and said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go, tell my brothers, and tell them, I'm going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, then reported what he had told her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's visualize that scene. I mean, that whole morning. Right? Group of women. I mean, the text doesn't tell us entirely. It gives us some names of... We know Mary Magdalene was one of them. And we know that I could say for sure, for certain, that I can imagine um, the the sisters of Lazarus, Martha and Mary, were there. And we know that uh, Salome, uh, there was, I mean, there's so many, the names, the thing is with, with the text is that there are so many women with the same name, but they're not the same women. And sometimes it gets confusing, but we know for certain the closest ones to him, possibly even Joanna, uh, the one who was very close to John the Baptist, the wife of Herod's chief steward, possibly. But there were so many important women who have followed him, who are close to his ministry. So we know there are quite a few of them. I mean, trying to make out the details. The most important one out of all of them is Mary Magdalene. Because the reason why is in the Jewish court, women were not considered reliable witnesses. Kind of not different than in Islam. In Islam, 
it takes two or three women, depending on the country, to equal one man's testimony. That's that's that, that, that's that's the uh, if you want to talk, you know, you hear the day the word misogyny and discrimination against women. Well, try to try to get that. Try to get your head around that. They they went early in the morning, the first day of the week, just about sunrise. And as soon as they got there, there was an earthquake. And according to the testimony of the men who were at the tomb, most likely there had to have been not just Roman guards, but there were Jewish guards. Because you know the high priest wants to secure that tomb. Wants to secure that tomb most definitely. All right, and they want to make sure that nothing happens that could undermine them. They, the, the trial of Jesus, okay, even though they, they had people planted in the crowds during the trial with Pontius Pilate to call for Barabbas, was probably, you know, unfortunately, probably with the public, even though a d death of a Jew being crucified, they probably didn't find themselves um, in good standing with the people, especially after the earthquake and the the eclipse and the um, the apparitions of the raising of the dead most likely made a lot of people question in their hearts whether this man truly was the Messiah or did we just crucify a, a, a holy man? I'm going to take, even though the text may not say it all, but let's face it, there had to have been backlash. You can't get away with something like that without a backlash, at least from the public. So they want him, they want to make sure that there's no chance of a resurrection. There's no chance of a Lazarus. There's no chance that his cult or his uh, his movement continues. So going to Pilate and asking for Roman guards and then putting Roman guards, uh, Jewish guards along with the Roman guards would secure the tomb for any possible um, resurrection, any possible deception at least from his followers. So early that morning, the women go. They show up with the spices. They saw where his body laid. Remember, Joseph Arimathea laid him in the tomb, a brand new tomb that just no one has been buried in, a virgin tomb, all right? From a man who was conceived by a virgin and, a, and, and for a new Adam, for a, for a the, the new Adam to be laid in that tomb. They show up. They're pro they, they encounter some men in white robes. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. They go to the tomb. The tomb has been rolled away. They were wondering who was going to roll away the tomb for them. They get there. The guards are gone. The tomb is wide open. Now, this 
strange apparition of angels. The men who they encountered, who they thought were gardeners, were not there. A strange man was sitting on top of the rock. You looking for Jesus, the Nazarene. Come, the crucified one. Come look. He is risen. The tomb is empty. The, the, the man on top of the rock, the stranger, the angelic person, tells some of the women, go tell Simon, Peter, and the others that he'll meet them in Galilee. They run. Mary Magdalene is looking around. She doesn't see anything. She runs after the women. She runs faster. Possibly she ran faster to tell Simon and John and the others, the 11, that the tomb is empty. The other women along the way encounter him. This is as, as far as we can get from the text because all four gospel point to that. They bow down, they pay him, they, they, they worship him. He tells them what to tell the others. Mary gets there. John the apostle runs faster than Simon Peter. Gets to the tomb. Looks, bends over, looks in, but never steps into the tomb. He waits for Simon Peter. Simon Peter comes in. Mary Magdalene's right behind him. They look inside the tomb. He steps in. The shroud is there, exactly where it is. Undisturbed, but empty. The body's not there. The handkerchief that covered his face, which is part of the Jewish custom to cover the face of the, of the dead person, all right, customs can change. There's some customs that remain, but it's not in the shroud. It's separate away from the shroud. The wrappings are there. The shroud has the shroud has not been unwrapped. Like we saw in the film in Gibson's Passion of the Christ, it deflates. It's like an empty cocoon. You don't see like in those images that we see on Instagram or like he's unwrapping himself and you see the shroud laid open. No, it was never like that because he did not rise just to a resuscitation like Lazarus or Jairus's daughter or the widow of Nain, her son. No, or anybody else who was raised from the dead to die again. Lazarus would die again. Jairus' daughter would definitely come to an end. This is a resurrection to glory. His body has been trans, um, transfixed. It's been completely glorified. Let's put it that way, just glorified. And the tomb is empty. It's to the point where the gospels make it quite clear he's not recognizable. He's not recognizable to us. It seems like he is recognizable and at the same time, he's not recognizable. He's been glorified. All right. Mary comes to the tomb with Simon and John. They see John believes Simon is perplexed. He's puzzled. He can't figure it out. The handkerchief is how did you how did the handkerchief get out of there without unwrapping the shroud? They haven't even bothered to touch the shroud to look into it. It doesn't say that in the text. There's no implying that they unwrapped the shroud. 
And the question is, why would anybody take the body and leave the shroud? Who would carry off a body? Why not just take the whole thing? Wouldn't it be more decent, more um, convenient? No. Somehow it doesn't make any sense. And so Mary stays behind, Mary Magdala. She's crying. She looks into the tomb and she sees two men. And one is sitting at the head where the, where the Lord's body lays and the other one sitting at the foot where the Lord's body lay, like the Ark of the Covenant. And then they ask her, why do you weep? And then she asks, where did you take my Lord's body? Where I can't find him. She turns around and she sees a man standing there. She doesn't recognize as Jesus. Woman, why do you weep? Whom are you looking for? And then suddenly her, he calls her by name. And she recognizes him. And she says, Rabone, meaning teacher, master. Now, for the Jews, Aramaic and Hebrew are just one and the same thing. To them, it's their Hebrew language. But it's not. It's, you know, there's a distinction, but to the common person in the street, it doesn't make a difference. But she recognizes him. But she she didn't at first because something about him is different. Yes, because he's glorified. He's glorified. The details are not given to us. What What is it about him that's different? It pretty much leaves it to the imagination. But the fact is, this, this story, no one has been able to stop. Not the authorities in Jerusalem, not scholars, not atheists. None of the modernists can stop it. Even though you had the Jesus seminar you know, try to spin their own avant-garde ideas. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. They, in many ways, they've actually, they can actually, they actually benefit from Christianity not going away because it's their scholarship. It's a business. Yeah, it's a business. You make money, you sell books, you give talks, you give interviews. You sell more books. You appear in documentaries. You come to debates. You know, you... It's a business. It doesn't matter. But their ideas, their crazy ideas from the swoon theory where some believe that Jesus just fainted. You know, when I just say he fainted or passed out. They don't say that to the Passover plot that it was uh, made to look like he died uh, to you know the apostles had to make up the memory of Jesus to keep the memory alive to keep his teaching alive That, or how about this one that they all had a mass delusion they all had a mass uh, a, 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 a delusion or an illusion. Well, the only problem with that is, is that, guess what? Mass delusions or um, 
drug-induced illusions are not contagious. No one ever has the same uh, illusion, delusion, whatever you want to call it, or hypno, or you know, like hysteria. No one does. Every person's own um, delusion is unique to themselves. It's not contagious, and no one can share the same one. Or that he fainted, well, that's going to be hard because the Roman soldiers, the text says that his that he was pierced by a Roman lance and Romans were pretty good at that. And that, you know, blood and water came out. He was dead. Also, the man lost a lot of blood. The text makes it quite clear that he was flogged. He was, and you know, he didn't eat anything. Plus, there's a medical condition that he suffered from, which was the sweating of blood. It's a rare, a very rare medical condition when the person's under great stress that the the pores or nerves or veins below the, the skin bursts and the blood is mixed with sweat and the skin is very sensitive to the touch according to to some scientific theories. You know, it's very rare people have this. But that's not a possible. That's not an impossibility. I know doctors. You know, that has been documented. There, that is an actual condition, a medical condition, where people can sweat blood. Very rare, a very small population, but it has happened. Plus, the blood and water show uh, is a result of the constant beating, the flogging from the Roman soldiers. It swells up. There's a sack around the heart and that possibly could have from the swelling of the beating and the shock of the constant beating that it most likely contributed to his death, which is a, like a, uh, almost similar to, um, you know, it's, it's basically it caused him to have a heart attack, you could say. A str- oh, he just died because of the swelling of the sack around the heart. It's like a clear sack, like a balloon. And the swelling and beating squeezed, put the squeeze on him. Plus he couldn't breathe. You have to, you, you're, 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 you're constantly, you're suffocating. You're slowly, it's you're dying of suffocation from your own weight. And you have to try to pull yourself up. I mean, picture it, on the cross, there's a little tiny saddle below your groin, below your butt. All right, and it's uncomfortable. It's terribly uncomfortable. And you're trying to breathe. You push yourself up to breathe. The pain in your feet, all right, possibly the nails could have been put through the ankles. That's a common theory. I mean, we don't know. It might have been that his feet, that his um, ankles were pierced very close to each other. That's a possibility where you know where the one foot is raised up or it went through the foot we don't know i mean that's it's a difficult thing because we don't have we don't have photographs but there have been um execution remains of jewish people there's one famous one where they shows the nail went through the ankle and the ankle will be considered part of the foot just like the wrist is considered part of the foot it might have been one and the same nail through the ankle as well we, we've seen in artwork. Everything we see, like such as the image crucifixions, where you see 
um, you see the um, the the body. Uh, everything we see when the body has a loincloth around it, that's just for respect. But you were naked on that cross. You were naked. All right, and there's some, you know, I mean, like I said, you got to look at it. I mean, we don't have a lot of evidence, but we do have documentation. Just, you know, most is true that most of the remains of people were thrown into a massive pit of dead bodies. But this is, we have the the, the accounts of Jesus's crucifixion has been studied by medical doctors. He died of a crucifixion. And there's even Muslim scholars who are agreeing that the crucifixion of Jesus is a historical fact. Anyway, we're going to stop it here. But the fact that he didn't remain dead, the fact, this is important, I, want to, I should have gotten this across. His resurrection has never been and cannot be disproved. Just because scholars can't prove a resurrection does not mean it didn't happen. The fact that Jesus is a subject matter that does not go away, he's a subject matter that terrifies atheists, it terrifies a lot of uh, a lot of the scholars, you know, those who don't believe, but it is a fact. We, you know, we we love Christ. We believe in Him. We believe He He died for our sins and He rose again. But He's not just for us. He's for everybody. He's for the whole world. All right, I'm going to end it here. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those who most need of thy mercy. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right. God bless, folks, and I'll be back soon in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God bless.